Cutting through an overload of information to get to the heart of the story. This is The Point. Welcome to part two of our special program on China's new phase in the fight against COVID-19. That's called Moving Forward. I'm Liu Xin from Beijing. I'm pleased to be joined for the details from Beijing by Dr. Xiao Yiming, former chief expert on AIDS at the Chinese Center for Disease Control and Management, and a current member of the Vaccine Task Force of the central government's COVID control mechanism. From Washington, D.C. by Dr. Kate Tulankel, CEO of the health workforce company Covis Health and former vice president of uh, IntraHealth International Health Systems Innovation. And from Singapore by Professor Wang Ling Fa, Emerging Infectious Diseases at the Duke National University of Singapore Medical School. Welcome to the program. Professor Wang, what are you seeing or what are your biggest concern? And do you see those concerns being addressed by the measures taken by the authorities here? Yeah, so I think maybe I'm a, you know, a more basic virologist. For me right now, at least from where I sit, the biggest concern worrying is that uh, with such a large number of people getting infected and the people with different immunities. So we talked about you know the aged population, non-vaccinated, and we talk about immunocompromised people, and we talked about people having vaccinated, you know, and boosted more than twelve months ago. So learning the lessons from the emergence of, you know, the Delta and Omicron, these are the populations that uh, we have to really keep a very close eyes to make sure that first of all, hopefully, no, you know, new and more transmissible or even more pathogenic variants uh, appear, but Scientifically, it's almost a certain we have new variants. So I think that, uh, you know, coming from that angle, I think uh, at least, uh, you know, publicly, we feel like uh, China maybe need to do a little bit more on this, what we call the molecular epidemiology that not only focus on, you know, Beijing, Shanghai, and Guangzhou. So in this fever clinics in the remote area, if they can coordinate nationally and then send the samples to CDC or whatever, I think we needed to a large number and also we need to continue this for months, you know. I don't think that we can say the wave is close to end. I think, you know, I cannot predict that there will be a new wave, but definitely it's not ending. So to me, that's the number one as a scientist that uh, at least in the public mm -hmm. domain, I have not seen enough being done. And I hope right. the Chinese government and also the scientists and the clinicians have a network to address that. This is a very important, not only for Chinese, you know, the community, but also for international community. Right. So, Dr. Xiao, first about medical supplies. What kind of steps have been taken by the Chinese authority to step that up, especially compared to two years ago? I think it's a, uh, there, there are three about uh, uh, internationally approved uh, anti-COVID-19 uh, 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 drugs. Uh, China developed one, uh, also approved by China FDA. So there are four drugs can be choose to use. Uh, I, I heard the production of that or importation of that has been scaled up. Uh, so all hospital uh, uh, can get access to that drug with the doctor's prescription. And also other drugs, uh, medications uh, like a, a fever, uh, drugs and uh, and uh, antibiotics, uh, maybe with uh, uh, secondary uh, bacteria infection, have been prepared, and 
also hormones and all the other ones to reduce inflammation, uh, they, they are available. Uh, and uh, I, in response to lymphas concern, I, I think for any uh, 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 region or country has a surge infection, the international community, the concern, uh, first concern is, is there a new variant coming out? Uh, I have mm -hmm. checked this morning. So uh, in the last month, we have uh, Chinese scientists have uh, delivered uh, about uh, over 700 sequences of uh, this wave to the GSET, the International Data Bank. Uh, so that uh, work will be continued and increasing. Does it mean that China has detected uh, 700 different variants of the of no, no, the, uh, no. virus? I mean the sample from uh, 700, uh, over 700 people uh, who okay. are infected in this wave. So you have to sequence virus uh, full length. So that's a lot of work. So with uh, over 700 from this wave delivered to the international database, uh, it will help uh, the world uh, uh, to know what kind of virus are circulating at the moment. Uh, I saw the CDC, uh, the press briefing data, uh, they have not yet uh, uh, detected any new variants. Yes. There are all the variants uh, uh, circulating in the world before this wave. Yes. Uh, they were being introduced into the country. Uh, so the many, the BF7 and uh, 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 BA5.2, uh, 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 BA5 uh, yes. variants. So we have not yet uh, re, uh, detected a new variants. Uh, there are also some BQ1 uh, and uh, the new US surging variants that they have been introduced, but they have not been spread inside China mm -hmm. yet. You mean the, the XBB variant? Um, because XBB, we have- uh, Yeah, BQ uh, variants. They, they have been detected, uh, but not uh, spread right. inside the country. Okay, because we have this report from DW, which talks about the United States, for instance, having uh, a prevalent XBB.1.5 uh, since January, for instance, is probably it's estimated to be over 50% uh, of the cases of infection. But Dr. Xiao, do you foresee that XBB variant will become a prevalent uh, uh, variant in China in the coming weeks? Uh, because uh, they are introduced uh, later, only recently. I mean, uh, among the 700 uh, uh, sequences, uh, they have only found in the uh, traveler, international traveler, uh, not in, in the Chinese uh, uh, okay. uh, epidemic uh, region, not yet. Not yet. STB is what so infectious, it's only a matter of time before it's in China. And, and my prediction is it will become the dominant strain in China. A study was right. just done in the U.S. where they... Um, they studied the, the wastewater from airplanes in the U.S. and over 95% of the flights had COVID in the wastewater. Is China so, monitoring wastewater as well, Dr. Xiao? I understand they yeah, are doing this. I, uh, I have to check, but uh, I think they should do that. Okay. Well, what about medical staff? I mean, the short of hands, according to some media reports here in China, in Chinese, uh, 
was actually the number one problem because the medical staff, in contrast to what happened in Wuhan in the very first few months, the medical staff this time bore the front of infection and they have to treat other people as well. So what is the situation in that front, Dr. Xiao? I think we have a very uh, devoted and, uh, and I mean, uh, the, the medical professionals in China. So there are about 8 million uh, of them. Uh, they have been played a very important role at the beginning of the epidemic. Uh, at the ending of the epidemic, uh, they, are, uh, they are working uh, very busy at the moment. And uh, I, I heard uh, many different departments of the hospital have converted into a respiratory department to helping colleagues to take care of patients. In terms of the mortality rate, I want to say, ask a little bit more, because that is one of uh, the major topics on some international media, even from the very beginning. Um, I, at this moment, Dr. Xiao, do we know the case fatality rate? Uh, China is not yet given any number about uh, deaths yet. Um, help us understand what is the criterion of China's count of uh, deaths, either because of COVID or with COVID. What is the China uh, practice so far, Dr. Xiao? Uh, I'm not uh, familiar with that because I'm in the task force of a vaccine. Uh, I'm a main a scientist, uh, not a clinician. But I heard from the news, uh, maybe like you, uh, we have a uh, uh, in the recent news briefing, uh, the, we contributed to the COVID deaths is many, uh, the uh, COVID infection plus the respiratory uh, uh, disease and failure. Uh, so in that case, uh, maybe the patient died of cancer and heart, heart attack and so other implications uh, will be not be uh, counted as a, a COVID deaths. So China's news briefing, yeah. China's currently yeah. defining COVID deaths differently from how WHO mm -hmm. defines it. WHO yeah. defines a COVID death as a death above the average, you know, for that time period, whereas China's currently defining it as deaths from respiratory causes for people with COVID. But we know that COVID kills people through other means. For, mm -hmm. for example, you know, blood clots and kidney failure or, mm -hmm. or general sepsis. So you don't have to die from respiratory failure to, to die of COVID. Let's hear what uh, Zhao Yahui, head of the Bureau of Medical Administration under the National Health Commission said on December 29th about specifically this issue. On the one hand, China insists on making all-out efforts to treat the disease and reduce the number of severe cases and death. On the other, when death cases occur, we have a pathway. If the person tested positive with a nucleic acid test, that case is then reported as a COVID death. If the person didn't take the test, the cause of death is reported in the system by China's CDC. If it's a death case, we report and publish the information according to the Chinese law which requires such procedure. We are insisting on the principle of truth and openness in releasing information. Professor Wang, um, what is your gauge of this practice by China? Yeah, so this, I think, is, <laughs> I will not say controversial, but it's a, it's a different criteria, as uh, Dr. Kate has said, you know, uh, 
to me personally is that uh, I think uh, you should, I mean, I don't mind that you have two reporting systems, but uh, what I'm most interested in is that at the death of the individual, if that person is COVID positive, because whether the COVID is the direct trigger of the death or not, you know, medically, scientifically, you can debate because as Kate says, you know, COVID can trigger, you know, uh, uh, cardiovascular, you know, uh, other non-respiratory syndrome, which can lead to death, but it's still caused by COVID. So to me, it's kind of uh, too academic. And I think uh, I would have preferred to see a system just reporting, you know, how many people are positive at death. You know, this is just, uh, I think, an uh, uh, important number to have. And then we can debate about, you know, what caused the death, because uh, uh, it's really important, the hospitalization, Right now, I think, uh, you know, I don't have the number, but I, I have, you know, relatives living in China and uh, friends, you know, most people go to hospitals are uh, fever and the 90, more than 90% of them are COVID positive. So mm -hmm. some of them unfortunately will die and we can debate, you know, as long as we wish whether they died of COVID or died with COVID. Yeah. But I think it's very important to, to know that the surge of hospitalization is triggered by COVID infection. I was in a hospital yesterday and I was in the uh, respiratory disease uh, inpatient department and I yeah. talked to the head doctor there. They had, since the outbreak of this particular yeah. wave, they had 96 um, people hospitalized because of COVID and yeah. out of them, seven people, yeah. seven people died. So yeah. that's seven out of 97. Yeah. And for yeah. him, yeah. of course, he's not in the ICU yeah. for him. That is the number he has. But Dr. Yeah. Shao, um, I want to ask you, so China will eventually publish a number. Is, is that going to be the case? And what is the difficulty of China in tallying a number that is reliable, that is reliable, that is um, as close to the truth as possible? Uh, you know, I'm not a, I mentioned I'm a, not a, a clinician. Of course, and I'm yeah. not a, uh, I joined the task force is on vaccine, so uh, I'm not the right person to answer that. But I think uh, uh, there are scientific methods uh, afterwards to measure uh, the actual uh, death cases more reliable. It's called access death evaluation. Mm -hmm. uh, WHO had did that last year for the first two years of uh, uh, COVID. Uh, I think in the in the future, because in, when you are in an emergency, your main task is to saving lives, care patients. So uh, I mean, there are scientific measures, established measures. Uh, we can later to evaluate that and to get the right number. There's no right or wrong way to define a COVID death, but you want data to be comparable. And the fact that China is using a different definition from every other country in the world means you can't compare the data. So that that's that that's the challenge. So we would like everyone to use the same definition, you know, right or wrong, because then you can you can really track how things are moving. Agree. Well, at this moment, I don't know exactly whether China is, is the only country using that particular criteria or whether, you know, how is deaths collected in, in other countries. But as, as Dr. Xiao said, I think that right now the focus and everybody understand is on saving lives. Yeah. Eventually, we will come to a fuller picture when, you know, the priorities is being met at this moment. I want to move on, if, if I can, to the kind of uh, caution other countries 
countries are taking to um, travels, to arrivals from China, whether Chinese citizens or other travelers. Uh, some countries have expressed concerns, but the European Center for Disease Prevention and Control in the beginning of January, they made the statement that uh, the variants circulating in China are already circulating in the EU and as such are not challenging for the immune response of EU citizens. In addition, EU citizens have relatively high immunization and vaccination levels. So a surge in case in China is not expected to impact a COVID-19 epidemiological situation in the EU area. Professor Wang, uh, do you think it is reasonable or it is necessary for some countries to adopt you know, uh, a specialized measure vis-a-vis -vis arrivals from China uh, at this moment? I think you know I have been paying close attention to this, and most country is doing that as a, as a very extremely precautious measure. The real concern, as I said, is the worrying about emergence of a new variant. Although I think uh, you know Dr. Shaw already said the data so far does not suggest there's a new variant, but uh, clearly variant takes longer than just three weeks, right? So that's why I think the other countries are doing that. And I, I think you know it's controversial because even for certain countries, the government is taking such a, a pre kind of a arrival test, and then the medical and epidemiologist basically says you know that test is not going to really prevent. Even if China has a new variant, that test you know is unlikely change the the, the fact that uh, if there's a new variant, it will be spreading. So I think you know uh, COVID taught us a lesson. It's not only just science and the medicine. There's the politics. There's other. So. I personally fear that I can understand both sides. The side argue for a test, I think is really trying to say in case there's a variant we'll detect early. The mm -hmm. side argue for not to have a test to say, even if there's a variant, that test will not 100% prevent it. So, you know, uh, I think uh, my personal view is that uh, it's really country by country. And uh, during the last three years, we have seen such kind of policy. It's not uniform, but each side has their own kind of merit. Yeah. Dr. Tulenkel, I mean, as we said, in the United States, now the prevalent case is XBB.1.5, which is extremely, uh, you know, uh, virulent, which means which spreads very, very fast. And yet it seems that there is no particular screening or restriction to arrivals from the United States. So what's the worry about uh, travelers from China? Well, I think that, you know, there's this concern that is China being treated differently from any other country. And I don't think it is. It's just that China is in a different phase of its COVID pandemic than other countries. For example, when I traveled last year, I had to test, you know, before I went because, you know, the cases were much higher in the U.S. Now that they're lower, I don't have to test. So it, it's just about the phase of the epidemic that, that China is in. Um, that being said, I mean, there can also be political uh, uh, involvement as well, but I, I think it really is more uh, about the, the phase of the pandemic. Because once again, uh, US citizens had to be screened when they went to most countries in the, in the world just eight, nine months ago. Yeah, Dr. This, yeah, this yeah. reminds me about, uh, uh, Early last year, uh, I was consulted for uh, should we put a, a special uh, testing or quarantine uh, uh, treatment to people from South African, from African countries? Uh, about one year ago, when Omicron just appeared, uh, my suggestion is that the virus is going to variants is going to come out all the time. So we, we, uh, uh, 
we should not uh, uh, special single out a certain country, certain variants. Uh, is uh, there's no scientific basis for that. Mm -hmm. So China didn't adopt uh, the uh, special uh, restriction to uh, African travelers uh, at that time. I think uh, we should not politicize of the uh, epidemic control. We should uh, solely rely on scientific uh, data and evidence. All right. Um Again, once again, remind us, Dr. Xiao, what kind of challenges is China faced with moving forward? Uh, is there still a learning curve? And uh, as the spring festival travel season coming up, which is, you know, in, in a week time, or basically already starting in some places, and this is the first time after three years of many people not being able to reunite with their family, what is China bracing for at this moment? I think uh, the day before yesterday, they have a special press briefing. I heard that uh, for the traveling, uh, they expected about uh, 2 billion people times our travel during the Chinese New Year. Uh, they are doing preparation for uh, rail, uh, air, and uh, uh, highways. And uh, they give a lot of uh, instruction to how to uh, uh, mitigate this wave and also uh, further prevention, even 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 though it's uh, very difficult, but uh, still try to control uh, the spread of the virus uh, with mm -hmm. uh, masks and with uh, hand cleaning and also with uh, temperature checking. Even though we do not use the health code anymore, but uh, mm -hmm. uh, temperature checking are still easy. Uh, manage the uh, measures are still uh, 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 used. Uh, I think uh, health education uh, is uh, is very important. So I think uh, the different uh, government departments are doing all the preparations. Many people in big cities has also personal experience. So they yeah. understand. I mean, the understanding is uh, much better uh, than uh, before this wave. So I think... Uh, Formally, uh, to uh, in my observation, is many government uh, dominated control measure. Now it's a big, big become a citizen dominant control measures combined with government preparation and guidelines. Professor Wang, uh, going forward, how much optimism do you have um, looking at the different? you know, customs, different culture of the Chinese society, because everywhere I go, for instance, everybody is still wearing masks. Yeah. So how optimistic or how pessimist are you about the next weeks to come? I think, you know, uh, from the sudden surge of the infection, you know, so the herd immunity is now a dirty word, right? At the beginning, we were wishing for herd immunity, either through natural infection or vaccination. But in China, I think find it's really interesting. It has never happened in the last three years in other countries because in China, most people are primed with an inactive vaccine. And this has been going on for the last two years. And then with the last three weeks, suddenly you have an infection, you know, really spread so fast. So to me, it's a new, actually, you know, I don't know if Kate will agree. In the whole world, we have not had that situation, an inactive vaccine priming. Basically now, instead of getting a booster vaccine, you boost with a natural infection and 80% of the population in one go. So if you want to be optimistic, barring the emergence of a new, more transmissible, more virulent vaccine, 
I think China may get out, I think a bit easier than others because it's synchronized. So again, I don't want to say herd immunity, but it's like the herd boosting was synchronized, okay? Right. So barring from a very different variant and, uh, and now the Chinese New Year is coming. So there's another boosting coming, you know, basically for the very few remaining naive uh, individuals, they will be infected in the next three weeks. So I think uh, we will see, you know, by end of Feb, you know, we will tell if they get out, okay. you know, relatively uh, uh, safely or they, the hospital just collapsed, you know, could not handle. So mm -hmm. I okay. cannot predict, but I'm leaning towards uh, basically that uh, uh, a synchronized boosting by live virus vaccine, uh, uh, infection without emergence of a more virulent uh, uh, strain, then I think uh, by end of February, we will tell that if, you know, China has survived this sudden surge. Um, just want that one final detail, Dr. Shao. Do we know the rate of infection yet? I mean, the estimate, because Professor Wang talked about 80%. What is, is there a, a, a quasi-official estimation at this moment? Uh, I, I have a lot of familiar with that surveillance task force work. I think they will give out that uh, uh, maybe in the near future. Uh, but uh, from a personal experience, uh, we can, uh, I mean, from a small environment, uh, 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 maybe two thirds about the people mm -hmm. around me uh, have been got infected. Uh, but they're still, uh, because that is a uh, uh, sampling of a working class. Mm -hmm. uh, there are some older seniors, uh, they don't come out, you know, they, so uh, a real number is uh, difficult. Uh, we have to wait for the uh, surveillance mm -hmm. work. Uh, with more yeah. uh, data support. Okay, we have to leave it there. Thank you so much for all of this great information and insights. Hopefully this will help and hopefully that China, with the help of all sectors of society and government, we will ride out this wave, this initial wave uh, successfully. Dr. Xiao Yiming, Chief Expert at the Chinese Center for Disease Control and Prevention, Dr. Kate Tulankel, CEO of the health workforce company Colvis Health and former Vice President of IntraHealth, International Health Systems Innovation, and Professor Wang Lingfa, Director of Program of Emerging Infectious Disease at the Duke National University of Singapore Medical School. With that, we come to this special program on China's new phase in the fight against COVID-19 that's called Moving Forward. I'm Li Xin from Beijing. You've got the point. We all enter this world with a universal greeting. <laughs> we then learn to speak. Though our languages, cultures and traditions may differ, we still share one thing in common. We have hope for humanity and the world. General Railway Company Deutsche Bahn, the 26th United Nations Climate Hear the difference. Join our global network to connect with the world. 